Welcome to Consensus, a podcast from Census Technologies. Hello and welcome to this episode of Consensus, a podcast brought to you by Census Technologies. I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney, and today we're speaking with Brian Dawson of Common Spirit Health. Brian, it's great to have you here today. Can you start us off with a brief introduction and talk a little bit about your role at Common Spirit? So, um, Brian Dawson, um, I... um, I spent 28 years in the Navy as a Navy officer, nurse, uh, OR nurse, uh, hospital executive, uh, and then system executive. Um, I was a hospital COO and then CEO. And in my last two years, I was the chief of staff and uh, EA to the Navy Surgeon General. Uh, So got to see a lot of things coming and going. Uh, that impact on Navy medicine, which in Navy medicine, Army medicine, Air Force, it's like a very large health system, just like Common Spirit. Um, With Common Spirit, uh, um, I started about five years ago working for Dignity Health as their system leader for perioperative services. And when we merged with CHI, my job expanded for all of our facilities. So I'm kind of the leader, but more so the director of perioperative things. And when I say things, quality, patient safety, policy, um, capital equipment, uh, IT third-party items that impact on our care. Um, We coordinate you know, local and system changes for Epic, Cerner, and Meditech. Um, I'm also kind of a, the clearinghouse for standards and practice for OR, for PACU, uh, for SPD. Um, and then in this case, two of the hats that I wear, one has to do with capital equipment management, and the other one has to do with productivity across the perioperative department. So how well are we utilizing our staff based on the workload? And those two things really come into play when we talk about census. And tell us more about the facilities and teams that you work with. So OR-wise, we've got 142 operating rooms across the system. And so they range in uh, size from two ORs that are being utilized to 60 ORs that are being utilized. We have uh, critical access hospitals. uh, We have community-based hospitals. And then we have about five very large teaching hospitals. Uh, One in Phoenix, a couple in the Midwest, in Nebraska area, Omaha. We've got Baylor St. Luke's, which is in Houston, which is a massive teaching hospital. Um, and and so the, the cool part about Common Spirit as a faith-based health system is we run the gamut, you know, from inner city hospitals that are the only hospital in that inner city. Long Beach is an example. Downtown LA is an example. Glendale, uh, uh, along with some of our other facilities, to the only hospital in a rural area. So we have critical access hospitals in in um, 
uh, North Dakota, in nowhere, Nebraska, no, nowhere, Texas, you know, between the Washington and Oregon uh, uh, state line, between the California and Oregon state line. We've got hospitals that have two OR rooms and they're in, in literally a farm community. So we, the coolest part about us is we serve that population and we might be the only provider in that population. So, you know, our SPDs run the gamut from, like I said, from staff that run the OR that also support SPD to facilities like St. Joe's uh, in Phoenix, where Robbie Miller was just uh, uh, highlighted in OR magazine uh, about SPD for January. And Robbie runs an SPD that serves six operating rooms in the facility on top of endoscopy, cath lab, IR, and supports other things in the division as well. So we kind of run the gamut in size, which makes us unique um, and, and, and kind of a fun challenge. How do you come up with a solution like census that can help us in all of those types of facilities? So what are some of the challenges that you face in your day-to-day interactions with all those facilities? You know, I really think it's just because it's me <laughs> and and I, I have a great partner in crime. Um, one of the individuals who works for me, uh, Charlene Rutella, is is not, not an administrative assistant. She's truly like my right hand. Uh, she's working on her PhD in uh, healthcare business and organizational development. Um, and she helps me manage everything um, because it's, it's really just me kind of herding all of those individuals in the same direction. We have a great perioperative council, which is made up of OR leaders from every division and if a division crosses state lines from every state in that division. Uh, and then we have a larger group, a perioperative collaborative group, which we invite members from every OR, whether they be the director, whether they be an educator, uh, the business manager. We have subcommittees. One uh, very important subcommittee is our SPD subcommittee, which is, again, made up of SPD leaders from across the system. Uh, we've got an educator group, a policy group. And so between Charlene and I and, and others who, who have helped us or taken on the, those leadership roles in the system that have other jobs, uh, you know, my thing is, you know, how many fingers can I stick in the dike to keep things running? Well, it sounds like you've got a good group of people there helping you manage everything. So what part of your role do you enjoy the most? What's the most impactful to you? Um, helping, teaching, um, solving the big riddles of big puzzles, uh, and and being that steward of our dollar. Um, because again, healthcare is getting tight. Um, you know, you hear in, in, in you know in local uh, media, national media. You know, there's talks that are you know people are worried about taking place soon within Congress about cutting Medicare, Medicaid. Um, you know, that used to be the golden check that every hospital got from the government. And, and now, you know, you're not getting that type of reimbursement. You know, a lot of hospitals were impacted due to COVID 
But because of a lot of the uh, legislation, you know, the federal government was giving facilities and health systems dollars to offset the cost of COVID. Well, now that that stopped, and now that we have, you know, COVID, serious flu, uh, um, um, the, the new respiratory illness that's impacting children a lot, you know, those things are all impacting on areas in our hospital where we generally lose money. And what I mean by that is the longer a patient stays in the hospital, the less insurance covers. And the way we had of generating revenue was through our outpatient and our elective surgery schedule. Well, people based on the economy, based on what's going on health-wise, you know, in our communities, there are less and less people coming to the hospital for elective surgery. So for me, what's important is how do we increase the use of our operating rooms, which means how do we, how do we make sure that instrumentation for surgery is made readily available? Um, how do we do that in the most cost efficient manner possible? And how do we make sure that the quality and patient satisfaction is top notch? Because that's what draws people uh, to a facility, not just the patient, but that draws the providers, our surgeons, to a facility where they know they're gonna have what they need when they need it. Um, and the, the quality that's provided by the staff, by the nursing staff, by the assistant staff, you know, by anesthesia is going to be top notch. So their patients are going to have a very positive outcome. So th those are the things I, I think what keeps me up, <laughs> up late at night is watching uh, MSNBC or Fox and listening to the commentators talk about what's going to happen. You know, is the government going to shut down? If the government shuts down, are we going to increase the debt ceiling? Because all that impacts on you know, Medicare, Medicaid, on companies, you know, downsizing, on availability availability of products. So all of that has an impact on those things. Brian, I think you touched on this a little in what you just talked about. So let's dive a little deeper in terms of providing the optimal outcomes. Can you kind of walk us through how you measure productivity in your facilities? Yeah. So, so let's talk about SPD specifically. The longer I've been in this job, the more, and, and, and when I say in this job, in healthcare, the more we've changed the way we measure things. And so productivity in the operating room across the country is measured in different ways. Um, I taught a leadership course for AORN about uh, six, six, seven years ago. And one of the classes was about measuring. How do we measure productivity? And when I asked that question, I got a thousand answers. I got, well, we measure it by the number of admissions. We measure it by the number of bed days. We measure it by the number of surgeries we do. And then somebody hit it on the head and said, we use minutes of service. And that's what we do in common spirit. The best hospitals measure OR productivity through minutes of service. How many minutes is the patient in the OR. And then so from wheels in to wheels out, we look at how many minutes are, there that, are they there? And then how many people are needed to care for that patient? And then based on that, how many total minutes did the OR use today and how many total staff that they have? And then we say, okay, 
it, it balances or we're over or under by, you know, X number of staff members. We also want to make sure that we, and the OR is unique. We want to take all of the people that we need to run an OR that never touch a patient out of that equation. So the director, the OR scheduler, the OR educator, maybe a supply person, you know, how many people does an OR need to run whether they do one case or no case? And that's different from a med surge unit, right? Because the med surge floor doesn't have those types of people. So you want to take those people out of the equation, but you want to make sure that that number is defined so that a critical access hospital may have three people, a large teaching hospital may have 10 but the critical access hospital shouldn't have six and the large hospital shouldn't have 20. So how do we come up with that agreed upon number of non-productive bodies? So that's great for the OR, but when we get the SPD, it doesn't work. And, the, and most of our areas are non-productive in SPD because a 90-minute gallbladder might have two instrument sets, which might have less than 100 instruments in it. A 90-minute total knee might have six instrument sets with 30 instruments per set in it. So one might take 20 minutes to do, another might take an hour and a half to do. So minutes of service in, the, in SPD don't work. What I love about census is we've worked together to utilize Amy. Amy is the association for, for SPD, and they set SPD standards. Amy has come out with levels of complexity. So they've listed task, whether it's putting together an instrument set, or whether it's pulling for a case, or putting peel packs together, or cleaning a robotic arm, they've set time frames for all of those tasks and grouped them between level one and level four. Level one meaning about 20 minutes, level four, an hour and a half to two hours. And so we've worked very closely with, uh, with census to create a way of monitoring all of the tasks that are done in, in an SPD and then bouncing that off of those four levels of complexity. And now we can tell how many staff do I need to take care of the workload that happens in SPD? And how many staff do I need throughout the day based on workload. I need less bodies in the morning because there's nothing coming out to be cleaned and processed and more bodies in the afternoon because that's when the bulk of the work comes out. So, so for me, that, that, that's one of the four holy grails in the OR that, that I've been trying to solve. One, you know, efficiency, you know, getting starting on time, room turnovers, uh, we, we've done really well on solving that with data. Another one is solving productivity in the OR, then in SPD, 
and the, and the other two are, you know, are we ever going to get to a point where we're never using paper anymore? It's all done electronically scheduling cases. Um, and then the last would be, how do we solve the whole preference card tool without it being person dependent? So the nice part about census is you've helped us solve that second holy grail when it comes to how do we adequately measure productivity, especially in SPD, based on task and not minutes of service, um, and to do it with a national standard, which is what Amy established. When we talk about productivity, we have to take staffing into consideration. Have you had any challenges finding and maybe more importantly, retaining qualified staff in your SPDs at any of your facilities? Yes, yes. Um, and, and, and major uh, issues, finding staff. Um, and, and that's because um, it's very hard to find qualified SPD technologists uh, and retain them. One, there aren't a lot of schools that train them in, in doing so. Um, and, and then the other problem is um, the salary range for those individuals is fluctuates nationally. And in some areas, it's, it's, it's at a level similar to our housekeeping and dietary staff, which, you know, I, I get it. It's an entry level position, but the level of complexity that we now have within that department, you almost need a bachelor's degree to, to, to how to follow the national guidelines on, on decontaminating and sterilizing or, or high-level disinfecting different items. Uh, and SPD ha handles items from surgical instrumentation to laparoscopic instruments to robotic instruments to endoscopy scopes. Um, it's across the gamut. And, you know, those individuals have to know how to care for all of that uh, appropriately and according to manufacturers' recommended guidelines and national standards, and we're paying them, you know, at a level that's kind of entry. Uh, and so the turnover is fairly significant because if I raise my hourly salary at one of our facilities, say in Los Angeles, by five dollars, I'm gonna. I'm going to pull from every other facility there that's still paying $5 less. And if our competitors do the exact same thing, we'll have the exact same problem in reverse. We're going to lose people uh, as a result of that. And tell me, how does that turnover affect your productivity? Yeah, it does, because then the problem is I'm, you know, I've got individuals that are uh, that haven't been trained and it takes me longer to do things because I'm, I'm constantly retraining staff. When you're dealing with network wide productivity, do you ever have issues with limited visibility into your processes? Not really. Like I said, because we have such a great group, um, especially in SPD, the SPD leaders, I think are the tightest of all the leaders. 
Um, and so there, there's a lot of uh, conversation, sharing of information. There's a lot of creation of standard processes, standard checklists, standard you know education, competencies. So we're doing a fairly good job at, at ensuring that we're all at the same level, all following the same things. Now, having a standardized tool like Census makes it even better. So have you used Census in your facilities during your entire tenure or is it a recent addition? We've been using the tool, I would say, for about anywhere between nine to 12 months you know, regularly. But we just started working with the leadership at Census to create the productivity measure that I was describing in the past four or five months, I'd say three to four months. And now my hope is, is that we can deploy that across the system. In terms of network-wide productivity, do you have any other bottlenecks or maybe efficiency issues with your SPDs? Not, not Nothing that we haven't discussed. You know, I think the biggest issues we have are, you know, retaining quality staff members. Um, you know, I think that if we can retain, you know, our staff members, we can meet workloads. Uh, I think now that we're able to begin to me to measure workloads in, in, in a more scientific way, actually using real data around task, uh, I think it'll get even better and continue to get better. Um, again, I think, and, and this is nationally, it's not just with our system. The biggest Achilles heel we have is, is salary. You know, a, as an example, say seven years ago when I was uh, here in the, the Denver area um, running one of the level one trauma centers, um, in the Denver market, um, SPD techs were making about 12 to $15 an hour across the whole market. You, you look at housekeepers and they were making 18 to 20. And so if I was in need of SPD techs and I convinced the leadership to say, let's do a five or, or, or $5,000 sign-on bonus, I was stealing XP, SPD techs from my sister hospitals. And then fast forward, one of those hospitals would get short and they would have a five, you know, $7,000 and I'd lose. <laughs> so we were all robbing Peter to pay Paul. And I, and I was always saying, why, you know, why? Because SPD is the backbone of the OR and the OR drives revenue. Why don't we all raise their salaries five bucks? You know, and, and that way we can retain them. You know, let's pay them for what they're worth. Here is one of the issues. The larger the payroll, which is the largest bill that any health system pays, the harder it is for them to meet all their responsibilities. Go back to what I said with that shrinking dollar. The, the problem is, is that, and this is just my two cents, most healthcare executives don't really understand what SPD does. And I say that not because, you know, they're not smart or, or they're lacking education. SPD is usually in the basement of the hospital. 
It's 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 out of sight, out of mind, usually near the big warehouse and supply chain. And we don't really know what they do. Well, what do they do? Right. We hear a lot about, you know, oh, you know, such and such health system had a number of people exposed to, you know, dirty uh, endoscopy scopes or dirty instruments. And so then then there's a focus, but they don't really know what they do. And so, as you said, when there's greater turnover, when we don't measure productivity by what it is they do and use minutes of service, then we're cutting staffing in SPD because they're not productive, which results in I don't have enough time to clean, thoroughly clean all of the instruments and people start to take shortcuts. And if you take a shortcut, I, I may leave behind some form of bio burden that can impact on the next patient. And then it becomes a major issue in there. You're on the cover of the newspaper and there's a lawsuit and there's millions of dollars that are spent. Well, to prevent that, let's spend a couple of hundred thousand and increase the salary and measure productivity the right way in SPD. It, it's, it's this, you know, what came first, the chicken or the egg? And so one of the reasons why for me, you know, educating people on this is important is because I've been an OR leader uh, where SPD falls underneath my purview. And I've also been a hospital executive and a system executive. And, and you know, I would always say to, you know, leaders, hey, we got to focus on the backbone of the department that serves the area where we generate our revenue. <laughs> You know, come down, visit SPD, see what they're doing. And it's so crazy when you bring an executive down to SPD and they watch that decontamination tech empty cart after cart in a very hot, sweaty, you know, area with all the PPE on, they go, oh, my God, I never knew that this is what they did and exposed to blood and tissue and bone and all that. And on the flip side, when you have a large facility, like, you know, I was talking about Robbie Miller and why I'm so proud of the work that he does, you know, when you process a thousand sets a day, 10,000 instruments, and there's no, contamination, no bio burden left on them, man, that's that's success. That's like winning the Super Bowl every day, every day. You can't take a day off, right? You know, you can't have an off day in SPD. And that's why it's so important. Let's dig into that productivity module that you've been working with. What are your thoughts on interactive data platforms? I think... Um, that if we are able to work with a manufacturer to capture that data um, and that we know that the data is pristine uh, and the data uses national benchmark measures, then I think it's uh, it's priceless. Um, you know, it's, it's what we need to appropriately run our departments. Because it'll tell me, 
you know, what time of day does the majority of the work occur? And that's where I need to put my staff. Um, when are we the slowest? And I need less staff there. Um, am I able to meet the workload with the staff I have, or do I need to hire one or two extra people? Because now I'm basing that off of data, not conjecture. Do you have any advice to give to other hospitals or networks that are looking for a tool to measure their productivity? I would say, uh, you know, find something. Find something that works so that you can have the data to make, you know, intelligent business decisions to support your, your procedural areas, business decisions in SPD, to support your procedural areas to make sure that you can capitalize on the assets you have to generate revenue. So let's talk about looking into the future. What are your long range goals for tracking productivity? Yeah, I, I think the goal would be to, across our system, have a hub and spoke type data sharing um, network, for lack of a better term, where, as I just described, I could potentially move staff and move equipment to the need within that division. And, and when I use the word division, I'm really talking about geographically located facilities. You know, one of our divisions, Northern California, goes from um, San Francisco all the way up to the California border with Oregon. So within that, there are two hospitals in San Francisco that are like less than six miles apart, Right. There's another hospital that's uh, in Sequoia, which is which is a little bit farther away from San Francisco and not close enough to um, one of our other facilities that's down in, um, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the town um, right now. But, but I would want to make sure that those two hospitals in San Francisco are working together with equipment and staffing. And, and so that one's not one doesn't have excess staff and the other has, you know, too little staff. But even, but, but a different idea is let's go to Sa Sacramento. There are five hospitals in Sacramento in a circle, right? So if you, if you ride the highway that goes around Sacramento, we've got five hospitals in that vicinity. All five of those hospitals are part of the same group, you know, so why not look at where the need is, when the need is, and move assets and people based on that need? Another crazy idea is what if we created a centralized SPD amongst those five hospitals and we moved instruments to that area to clean, decontaminate, sterilize, and then move them back to where they were needed? And now I've got a centralized hub where I can take advantage of, of that staffing and that equipment for, a, for five separate hospitals. Now, we have to work out the logistics and <laughs> things around. But imagine, you know, uh, and, and some areas are doing that with, you know, university hospitals that have multiple hospitals in a very small geographic area. Why not do that with a division? You know, uh, in some areas, uh, Los Angeles, I've got hospitals kind of north of Los Angeles and hospitals kind of south. 
So what if I set up two hubs? You know, so so those are that's the nirvana to where I can, you know, consolidate things, take advantage of the consolidation of staffing and and equipment, save dollars and still meet the same mission. Now, you know, what do you do about the crash that happens on the 405 and now the 20 minute drive takes three hours? (laughs) So those are all things you got to think about, right? Because it it will happen. The other thing, and even the better possibility is to make sure, you know, what do I see in the future? To make sure that our leaders understand the value of that department and the value of using data to make business decisions, to increase efficiencies, to save dollars, and to utilize the most precious asset we have to its fullest extent, and that's personnel. A great conversation, Brian. I want to thank you so much for joining us today and thank all of you for tuning in and listening today on the Consensus Podcast brought to you by Census Technologies. Once again, I'm your host, Michelle Dawn Mooney. Thank you again for joining us. We hope to connect with you soon.